Welcome to the Going Beyond Podcast with Randy Zinn, founder of Beyond Mom. This is a podcast dedicated to inspiration, empowerment, and confidence for women on the journey to selfhood and self-love. Get connected with our expert interviewers, soulful conversations, and deep dive discussions with visionaries, survivors, creators, and movement makers. For moms and women alike, these conversations will spark you to live the empowered life you deserve. And now, join our host, Randy Zinn, as we go beyond. Hello there, and welcome to the Going Beyond podcast, a place where I, Randy Zinn, your host, talks to amazing women about how to take their lives, your life, to the next level, and really and truly embrace everything that you are. I'm super excited to be here today with my friend, Nitika Chopra. So the real story is that I kind of, in a not weird way, stalked Nitika a little bit online. I was super interested in her positivity, in her embracing of beauty on the inside and the outside, and I was just always really taken with her gorgeousness and her um, expression of what she loved in her life. And when I had the chance to finally meet her in person, it was one of those moments at a party where I was like, um, okay, so I kind of know you from online, but I really feel like I need to know you offline. And uh, from there, we finally got to know each other. And she is everything that I felt she would be. So let me tell you a little bit about her, and then we're going to welcome her to today's conversation. So So Nitika has been a leader in the wellness industry since she founded her blog in 2010. She's the host of the talk show Naturally Beautiful on Z Living, and she's been an on-air expert um, in all things beauty for quite some time and always steered her conversation towards self-love. She's known for her straightforward tone and her intense vulnerability. She takes everything she's learned from suffering with psoriasis and arthritis for the past 27 years and created a conversation about self-love in the chronic illness community. I know from watching her the amazing impact that she's making. Her experience in public speaking, her highly engaged social media following, and her raw and honest writing that she shares weekly on her blog is really making an impact through honesty and love, and that's what Nitika is all about. So here she is. Hey, Nitika. Hi, Randy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I am really excited to share a little bit about your story with our listeners today and for us to be moved by your story because I think way more people struggle quietly with illnesses of all kinds and I think the chronic illness situation in particular is one where people just quietly kind of plow through their lives and I can only imagine how intense that existence can be. And I would just love to hear about how you've been guiding your career um, toward this direction of serving people that need you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, my story 
You know, it started when I was, I guess, 10 years old was really the first point of my story, which is when I was diagnosed with psoriasis. And that's an autoimmune condition that actually creates like thick, scaly, itchy patches of skin all over your body. And I ended up getting it. You know, I had one spot to start with, and then I ended up getting it from basically the tip of my foot to the tip of my head pretty quickly. And I went on to be covered from head to toe with psoriasis for the next 16 years of my life until I found some relief. And in the middle of that diagnosis at the age of 19, I ended up getting psoriatic arthritis. So it's been a huge part of my life. It's been a massive teacher for me. And I think I always knew that I wanted to share the lessons and the hardships that I had been through with my health, with other people. But I wasn't really brought up in a family that, you know, went to therapy or like did a lot of introspective work or any of that. So it took me a while to figure out what that was going to look like. And, you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't like I even knew of bloggers or, you know, it was like like this weird thing where I didn't realize I could be an author one day or that my friends could be an author. It's like it felt like this other world, you know. Yeah, so from the point of 10 to about 26, I I dealt with that really severely. And then shortly after, I got a little better and got some relief with different medicines and therapies and a bunch of different things. I ended up just starting my own online magazine and I ended up taking my passion, which I had always had for the arts and for performance because I had been a singer in high school and for many years I had taken voice lessons and I loved performing and molded that with my desire to really help people. And I started my platform and then you know, it's like nine years later now, and it's evolved into many, many different things. So yeah, that's kind of how I got my start. I mean, what I completely resonate with about your story, Nitika, and I feel is also part of mine, is like, it becomes this braided, (laughs) I'm like seeing it sort of visually, this like braid of experiences, pain, inspiration, things that you love, talents you have and it becomes this like yeah this braid or this cocktail of all these things and then then it becomes this way that you express yourself and I think that that can be challenging to kind of tap into but it can also be just so beautiful when it comes together yeah it really is and I feel like I've heard quotes about that like you know one day you'll look back and realize like it all made sense or it all happened for a reason you know And I think as you get older, it does feel like that. It feels like after, you know, three years, after five years, after 10 years, you're like, oh, the skill that I learned at that crazy job that I took for one summer actually really helped me build my own business or, you know, insert story there. So I think that does make a huge difference. And if you can look at your life like that, I think it ends up being a lot more fulfilling. Yeah. So give us a sense of, you know, being in this world of beauty and, you know, the magazine world and the expression in a sort of an outward sense, and then realizing that there's something that you're really called to talk about in relationship to chronic illness. Sure. Yeah. Well, I just went through, you know, a bit of a pivot as you and I talked about earlier, you know, before we got on our podcast, we were catching up and I just went through a whole pivot of that. The last, year it's really just been. It's been very recent because I had spent the first eight years of my career 
really wanting to have my own talk show, which I ended up having, and wanting to be a spokesperson, which I've done many times, but always wanting to go deeper and wanting like, and knowing that when I met people and that when I was in the presence of others or when I was talking to a girlfriend or something one-on-one, I was able to go to like the depth or the heart of situations and issues. But something about my online presence or my TV presence or, you know, being interviewed in a magazine, I just wasn't going deep enough, you know, and I I would think about this a lot and think, is it me? Is it because I don't want to share? Is it because I'm afraid to go deep or is it other people? They're not asking me to or what is it? And I think I just eventually had to make this decision that, While selling beauty products on QVC was awesome and it was incredibly fulfilling in a lot of ways, you know, it wasn't, and I always tried to bring the depth to the conversation. Even if I was selling eye cream, I would talk about like the window to our soul or something (laughs) in order to like, you know, bring it to a deeper place if possible. But it just wasn't enough for me. So last year, I kind of, you know, made that switch. And it's like I took, as you say, this braid. I took all of the pieces that were already there of the spokesperson stuff and the, you know, writing and the producing and the creating. And I just took it to a place where I was able to talk to the exact people that I want to talk to, which is the people who I feel most connected to their struggle. And that is the chronic illness community because of everything I've shared of what I've been through, you know? So So it was a really... What did those people need, Nitika? Like, what did you at the core feel like you had to bring them? I just needed them to know that they're not alone. And I bet you feel the same way in a lot of ways, right? Like, the people I feel that share the way that they share the most authentically and deeply. It's like whoever your group is that you resonate with the most, you, I mean, I feel like I know that you feel this way. Like you want other people to know, like whatever they're struggling with, they're not alone. They're not the only one, right? Yeah. And I think in the chronic illness community, I did a bunch of research before I started talking about it more openly. And I had always, you know, had my story on my website and you could see it, you know, like basically everywhere in some ways, but I never really brought it up. I never was like super raw and vulnerable and, you know, kind of lifting the veil as much as I do now to that direct conversation. It was just kind of there. And yeah, and I just felt like I needed those people to know that they are not the only ones struggling with their conditions and that they're not the only ones traumatized by every doctor's appointment or feeling like they're becoming paranoid or anxious because their bodies are so out of control, they need to control every single aspect of their lives or, you know, afraid to date someone because they feel so raw and vulnerable that they have pain when they have sex because of endometriosis or, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And I don't have you know, a thousand conditions. I have two conditions, but there is a thread that, you know, connects all people with chronic illness that even if I don't have your specific condition, I understand what it is like to feel like your body is completely against you and that you are the only one experiencing that. And so I felt like I had to speak up, you know, and I also noticed honestly, like, I would look around. It's not like no one else has ever talked about chronic illness in the history of the internet. That's not true. 
But I noticed that there were like no women of color talking about it. And I was just like, okay, I'm a metropolitan New York City woman. I'm in my late 30s. You know, I'm like an entrepreneur. I love fashion and I'm an Indian woman. Where is my role model? I don't see anybody out there. And the South Asian community alone is overly populated with people who have chronic illnesses, but psoriasis specifically is rampant in the South Asian community. So it's just like, I just felt like, you know, God knows if anyone's going to listen. That's literally (laughs) what I thought before I started talking about it. I was like, okay, well, no one could care, but I have to talk about it. I just have to try. So that was kind of what happened this past year. What a fantastic story. I mean, just to feel so moved and so called to answer what you knew you were called to do. I mean, that's something that not everyone can do, Nitika. So I think it's amazing that you're doing it. So what's happened? Well, first of all, because I know that a lot of people listening likely have their own version to this story, you know, the thing that they have pain over or experience or see where they can make an impact. How did you start communicating? How did you start reaching out? Like, what was the first way you started sharing the message? Yeah, well, you know, being a scrappy entrepreneur, which is definitely what I am, I like to do everything to the best of my ability, but I also have learned the hard way not to like overspend when I don't have to. I kind of like to try things that don't cost any money. Yeah, <laughs> initially. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my rule. Like, don't spend money on things that you haven't tested yet. Right. So when I first started my business, I didn't let myself spend a penny for the first year of starting my business. And the way I did that was I wrote articles and I networked and I went, you know, like I did all of that stuff to see if I was really into it and if it grew. And it did. So for this, I kind of went back to that same approach and I was like, well, a part of me was like, well, you could start a platform and you could build a website and you could do this whole thing. And then I went back to this principle and I said, how about I just start a Facebook group? Mm-hmm. That is free. It's free. One person could join this Facebook group and it could be my mother and then we'll know pretty quickly <laughs> that no one wants to talk to me about chronic illness, you know? And I really felt like, you know, I'm not huge in Facebook groups. I don't do a lot of Facebook groups, but I knew that they were effective when they were really niche and targeted towards the right people. And I was just like, I just need a a test to see if anyone cares. So I started the Chronic Illness Crew Facebook group and it's still open and active. And honestly, it was one of the most rewarding next few weeks of my life because I mean, there's only like less than 500 people in there. It's not like it grew to be 5,000, 5 million people. But the people that are in there inspire me on a level I didn't even know was possible. There are people in there that have like five, six chronic illnesses and they are thriving with their chronic illness. It's not a group. A lot of people have said to me, a lot of the groups that they were a part of, they're very depressing and they're kind of, you know, negative or they're really stewing and they're upset, which is important every once in a while. But I've been really committed to how can we move past this? Because for a lot of us, we're going to have these symptoms and these conditions for our lives. So how can we thrive with it? And I can't even tell you how many people got into that group and just made me feel so proud and humble and reminded me of why I do what I do. And that was really my first step. And then I swear I felt like God and the universe just, you know, acknowledged it. And it was like, as soon as I took that step, 
I, one step after another step after another step just opened up for me. And the beginning of the year, Dove asked me to be the spokesperson of their skincare brand that was targeted towards people with dry skin conditions, including eczema and psoriasis. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, so I did that for six months this year. And it was just one thing after another after another like that. I was asked to be on the advisory board for Blog Her Health and, you know, spoke there and all these things that were kind of just already in my orbit in one way or another. But by me really taking that leap and putting that stake in the ground, I felt like there was a major shift internally that also was represented externally slowly but surely. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, Nitika, I so feel you on that 100%. And we all, again, have our own version of what that's like. When you talk, I just have to reflect for a second, but when you talked about how living with a chronic illness was kind of there, like it's kind of part Mm -hmm. of your bio, kind of part of how you represented yourself, but never overtly. I had the same exact experience with my family business and the loss of my dad and this whole other portion of my life that was super painful, super hard, and totally a part of my story as a woman and as an entrepreneur and as a person that can help and guide other people and especially other women. It was almost like I was kind of like not saying it. And I had a huge pivot in the past year where I was like, okay, you know, my body is telling me that I'm living all these different lives in all different sensations and pain and all different things. And I feel like I'm this split personality person a lot of the time. And when I was with a lot of really good support, when I finally felt ready to share it, I wrote an article, Entrepreneur Magazine wanted it. (laughs) It was like, wait, what? All of a sudden, if I start talking about these things in my life that are real, that I was afraid to put the light on, all of a sudden, the universe says, okay, you know, game on. And all of these opportunities and recognition of your depth and your worth come into play. And it's like you said, it was always in your orbit, but it's until you're ready to step into it. And I just hope that, you know, the listeners of this conversation are thinking about their own lives and about what are the things that you're maybe not shining a light on but are integral to what makes you you and what Mm -hmm. would bring your purpose up to the surface. Yeah, I think it's so important and I think it's this really beautiful journey of, you know, trusting ourselves, you know, like that's the thing that's coming up for me so much this year and I find that it's come up from a lot of my friends too. It's like, we know how powerful those stories are. We know how much they impact. Like when you sat with a friend and told her your story for the first time and how much of an impact that had on her or, you know what I mean? But it's like, we don't always trust ourselves on the bigger platforms and in the bigger levels. And I feel like that was a huge part of it for me at least, where I had to be like, no, like the story is worthy of being shared. It's meant to be told. And that was a huge part of the learning process too. I think it's really beautiful. I feel like we all have that. The thing that we're so afraid to share with people or that makes us feel the most vulnerable, even if we are open about it in private spaces, is usually the thing that people need to hear from us the most, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I think most of us are just afraid that 
we can't live up to it. Like we might say it, but can we really in our life hold the space for it and live up to the direction it's leading us? Most of the time, I think we 100% can. I think that it's just getting it. It's just sinking it into our mind and our heart most of the time. Yeah, it does feel larger than life. I agree. Yeah. Well, that leads us right into another really interesting thing that I think you might love to talk about. And so interesting for me as founder of Beyond Mom to open up a moment here for us to talk about something that you've been writing about recently, which is your decision not to become a mom and all of the really, really important reasons why you're owning that space and talking about it openly. Because again, right along the theme of this entire conversation, there are people people out there that need a voice for these decisions. And I would love for you to share more about that with us today. Sure. Yeah. I mean, making the decision not to have children, you're right. It is something I've written about recently on my blog. And it was one of the most complicated decisions that I had ever made. And possibly, you know, it didn't have to be as hard as (laughs) as I made it because I think there's a part of me that knew all along But the journey with it was really when I was in my early 20s, that was when I was like at the height of all of my health stuff. And I also happened to be married at the same time. And I had this vision that, you know, ultimately I was pretty sure I was going to feel better and not be as sick one day. And then I just kind of assumed that my husband and I at the time would have children when that happened, you know. And we ended up getting a divorce before I got healthy. And, you know, after that, my world kind of opened up in so many ways. I shortly after started my career, I shortly after started walking properly and moving properly again after going on some medication that really helped me, all of those different things. And I was dating a guy in my late 20s, early 30s that, you know, really wanted to move things to the next level and build a life together. And I started contemplating this decision, like, what do I even think a life together is going to look like? Everyone is having children, like that seems to be what we're supposed to be doing, but something in me tells me that's not what I want to do. I just don't even understand what that means, you know? Like it was that foreign of a concept at the time. I'm 37 now, so that was, you know, six or seven years ago. And we ended up breaking up and I went on this journey of trying to figure out if this decision was right for me, which way I wanted to go. And my friends would be able to tell you, like, every time I met a new guy, I would always tell them when I wasn't with someone, I do not want to have children. And every time I met a new cute guy, I would be like, well, maybe, you know, he's so (laughs) handsome. Like, we would have great children. (laughs) Like, you know, he's so great. Like, I'm sure we would make it work and it would be fine. And my really good friends would always be like, listen, if you want to have a child, great. We can't wait for that day. But something tells us (laughs) that that is not what's actually true for you. And you're just kind of flipping and flopping. So this happened for years and then I finally, you know, I've taken breaks off dating on and off and during those break times, I finally just sat with myself and got real with myself like, what are the reasons why I have a no? And the no really for me, and this is very, you know, my own personal reasons, one is because of my health in the sense that when you have a chronic illness, 
and people who are mothers might not understand this, but people who are chronic illness might really get this. You kind of feel like your disease is your first child. It needs, it really is so overwhelming. And it's like, it needs to sleep at a certain time. It needs certain kind of food. You need to feed it in a certain kind of medications. You need to shower in a certain way. You need to prepare your wardrobe in a certain way. I mean, when you have a debilitating condition, every single second of your day is ruled by the condition. I just got goosebumps when you said that, Nitika, because though I don't have a chronic illness, when you put it in the way that you just described it, I totally understand. I totally can imagine. And yes, that's exactly what it's like having a child. And I can imagine, I can just imagine. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. I really do. Because it's not always easy for people who don't have a chronic condition to get that, you know? And so I really appreciate that. And I felt bad for feeling that way for many years because I felt like there was something wrong with me that I was so exhausted by my condition. I felt like, you know, the thing with a lot of chronic conditions, although I had something that you could see for many years, I still was able to cover it up, right? So people, a total perfect example, I would be on the subway in like severe pain and didn't have a seat on the subway because it was crowded. Whereas if you saw me with a cane or you saw me in a wheelchair or you saw that I was pregnant, you would probably give me your seat. But no one knew that I was in severe pain because I looked like I was 22 and thriving, you know? Yeah. So experiences like that. So I felt like I should have been stronger and not felt so exhausted by my condition, but I really have been very exhausted by it. So that was one of the biggest reasons. And then the other reason was, you know, just really feeling like, I'm on medication. That's like one of the pillars of how I treat myself. I also treat myself spiritually and emotionally and with food. But one of the ways I treat myself is also with medication. It's been a life-changing experience for me to find the right medication for me. And I would have to get off of my medication to be able to have a child. And the amount of discomfort and like disease that would occur if I did that is just honestly traumatizing for me to even imagine. I would never want that for myself. I just have to say, like, to me, this is the very definition of going beyond mom. Like, honestly, because there's nothing about motherhood that should sacrifice the very core of your well-being. It's challenging. It's exhausting. There's a lot to navigate. But by no means should you be ill, sick, and lost. So I really respect that you're coming out and saying that because I think many more women should think about the quality of their personal existence in relationship to those decisions. Yeah. No, it's really been a powerful thing to share because I've had so many women come to me online saying like, you put words to thoughts I've been having for years that I didn't know I was allowed to think. You know, so if you're one of those women listening, you're allowed to think these things and you're allowed to just be in the inquiry for yourself. You know, there were lots of times I inquired about it within and I didn't tell anyone and I just was in an incubator about it for myself. So that was another huge part of it. And then, you know, once I told my parents, I mean, I'm an Indian woman. I thought my parents were going to freak out that I wasn't going to give them grandchildren. I thought like (laughs) it was going to be the end of me, you know? Yeah. And I have to tell you, my parents knew that it was the right decision for me. 
They knew it was. And they supported me from the second I told them. My dad looked me straight in the eye and was just like, if you don't think this is the right thing for you to do, you should not have children. It is an incredible responsibility. You know, and I know he meant it with so much love and I deeply appreciated like just being set free in that way, you know, and yeah, so it's been a really beautiful and also like painful thing to own, Mm. you know, even like because I'm single. Yeah. What is the pain part, Nitika? You know, it still comes up like I know it's the right decision now and I can't see myself ever going back. I don't feel that I'm going to waver, but Every time I go on a date, you know, being single now, it's like every time I go on a date or I meet someone new or I get excited about someone or anything like that, I just feel like this owning who you really are, you know, it's a very scary thing to do, you know, and it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Like it doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't do it. It's just hard. It's hard to stand in front of someone, whether it's your parents or your children or your best friend or someone that you really like, you know, and say, this is me. Like, this is me. This is the package of what comes with me. You know, will you love me through this? You know, that is like one of the hardest, most vulnerable things that we can do. But then I think of the alternative, right? The alternative would be for me to meet a guy and pretend that I want to have children And either have them or find out that I can't or whatever it might be and have a whole other like load of devastation that is so based on something so inauthentic and toxic really. I don't want that for myself, you know, and I don't want that for others either. So I think for me, even though it's hard and I'm honest about the fact that it's hard and it's painful, you know, it's also really empowering and it's really important to my existence that I do this every time I meet someone and that I own this part of myself. The hardest thing in the world is to love yourself beyond all the expectations of everyone else and everything else. And I think that that's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah, just like, you know, I mean, it reminds me of that... (laughs) quote in Notting Hill. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, which when quote? Julia Roberts was like, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love me or something. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I don't know why I haven't thought of that movie or that quote in years, but that just came up for me because I was like, yeah, I'm just standing here. Like, please just don't freak out. But this is who I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard for us to own it for ourselves, let alone, you know, ask someone to own it with us. Like, ugh, it's brutal and beautiful, you know? Yes, 100%. So tell me, like, just because I, like, want to know, I mean, what kind of feedback are you getting? I mean, I hear you say that women are saying or people are saying who are following you, oh, my God, you're saying things that – I didn't even know I could think. I mean, yeah. what else are you getting, Nitika? Because I can only imagine just how gratifying and meaningful and motivating it is to keep going when you hear the impact that people have just by knowing that they're not alone and opening up these conversations. Yeah, it's been incredibly rewarding. I mean, I get a lot of feedback. I mean, the, what I said before definitely is like the biggest one. I actually was speaking at a conference recently and I had – this Indian girl come up to me and say those very words to me, like, you know, your article really inspired me because I 
am an Indian woman too. And I feel like everyone's just asking me when I'm going to get married and when I'm going to have children. And like, I don't even know that I want children and I don't even know how to tackle that conversation. So that's been really, really rewarding to hear that I'm helping people start to uncover that. And then I also feel like there's just this like reducing the shame around it that I'm really passionate about because there's so many reasons why people can choose not to have children. And I feel like there's just been this hierarchy and I still feel it to be honest, like around some of my friends that are now moms. And it's so funny because I know I've heard so many moms say like their single friends don't pay them as much attention when they become moms. But as a single friend, I love it when my friends become moms. And I think it's like, oh, great. I have all these nieces and nephews now. And like, I love their children so much. It's not a factor of like me not liking kids. I'm obsessed with my friends' kids. And I love being their auntie. And like I call myself their honorary godmother. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, and I teach them all the Indian words and like just really I get super into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that before, Nitika, that and not to interrupt you, but before I I will forget. The thing that I hear so strongly and and I want to validate is that there are a million ways to nurture and mother. Like, I think there's a little bit, and I am a mom, obviously, but I feel like there's a lot of societal control and control of women. Like, when we are told it has to be and look a certain way. But, like, look at, I mean, the fact that you can, like, love on your nieces and nephews and that you can love on all these people that you're inspiring through your work and you are nurturing them. And I think, like, we all need to open up our minds as to the ways that we do nurture and the way that we mother because it's not linear and it shouldn't be linear. Yeah. I just think it's so, so, so important. And that was a huge part of my discovery process too, of just saying like, okay, if I'm not going to have children, how can I still be a mom? And I do that through my work every day for sure. And I also, you know, as I said, I really, really take, like, I take it very seriously that my friends have children. So I think that, you know, what I started to say earlier was just like breaking that shame that like, yeah, okay, my best friend just had a child. A few of my best friends just had children. And now they have that in common. And I don't have that in common with them anymore. Right. I don't have that link in common with them. So how can I still feel valued and still feel like I'm adding value and that I'm just as valuable, even if I'm not in that group with them, you know? So it's also those dynamics that I've had to really shine a light on and help people walk through. And and I think it's just been such a liberating thing. And there's also this whole thing of like, okay, well, when I start to date someone, they'll probably see my online presence at some point and know pretty soon (laughs) that this is something that I've decided for myself, you know? Yeah. I mean, as my grandparents have always said, there's a lid for every pot, as we know. Like, there's the people that have the same, you know, vision and alignment for their lives as we do. We just have to be open to it, obviously. But, you know, the other thing that I just want to say is that I agree with you with eliminating this shame. I had this experience this summer when I was at Soul Camp where this lovely woman came up to me and I felt so honored that she felt like she could say this to me. I guess she knew who I was and knew that I tend to work in the mom space and she like really broke into tears and felt like there was this divide between women who are mothers and women who are not and even felt like there was this unspoken language between women who are mothers that kind of 
eliminate or ostracize the presence of the non-mother, like even who the mother will pass her baby to. Or, you know, moments where, like kind of like you said, that link is broken or something. Like you don't share that link. And there was so much desire on her part to bridge the conversation and to see Mm. that like we all have so much to share with each other and that you know the woman who might not have babies of her own would love to have the chance to be around your kid and hold them and play with them and share that joy and Mm -hmm. that the mom oh my god like my friends who are not moms like I need you like I need that ability to just be myself and talk about other things and sometimes and this is why I'm so passionate about encouraging a life beyond mom I feel like moms can get into these habitual kind of obsessive conversations about their mom lives and look we all need our outlets and of course we do but we also need to step outside of that stuff and we need Mm -hmm. our friends who live a different kind of lifestyle to pull that out so we all need each other and I do feel really passionately about that yeah I think it's really important I think as you said like on both sides of the conversation for us to make that effort I've had to have many conversations with my friends who have kids and let them know like okay I am feeling a little like I need just time with you I actually had a really hard conversation with one of my best friends about a month ago because I felt like we never had any time alone. And I love her daughter. I'm like obsessed with her daughter. But I also miss my best friend, right? And so I had to have a conversation with her and it was with so much love and it was interesting because she such a great person. So she was obviously very open to the conversation and she was like, honestly, I feel like I need that too. Like I need time with just you. And I forgot we ended up going to see a movie and she's like, I haven't gone to see a movie since before my daughter was born yeah. and her daughter is going to be too soon. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So it's interesting when you actually speak up and share where you're at, that it might actually help your mom friends too, you know, yeah. when you might think that it would be a burden or be negative. Well, I think the moral of the story is that we all need to get real and have a voice around our experiences <laughs> and be loving about it. I think, Nitika, that's what I love most about you. It's like you come from such honesty and authenticity, and there's just always so much love all around it. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you, Randy. I love you too, and I'm so glad that we could do this because it's like been way too long. This has been great. I know. We get to like hang out and record it and share it with everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Tell us, Nitika, where listeners can follow you and become part of your community. Sure. Well, um, I'm best on Instagram at Nitika Chopra. And I don't know when the podcast is going to come out exactly, but I am also launching a podcast, which I'm really excited about. Okay. I haven't really talked about it yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm launching it in, um, in January 2019. So you can check that out on all the different platforms. It's called The Point of Pain. And I'm really, really looking forward to sharing that content with people. So oh you can check me out there. I can't wait to listen. Wow. Okay. Well, Nitika, thank you so much for sharing such heartfelt discussion with me today. I really, really, really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me, darling. 
And for all of you listening, I don't even need to wonder whether you're inspired by this conversation. I know you are. And I hope that you can take away a couple of questions for yourself. Where are you hiding? Where are you not telling the full story? And where can you blanket yourself with a lot more love and a lot more compassion? Because it will benefit yourself and everyone else around you. Thanks for listening and have a great day. 